We're so glad that you found this Peak City message today. Our prayer is that during our time together, you're able to discover Jesus and are encouraged to follow him fearlessly. Man, so glad to be with you guys and uh, praying big prayers for today. Let's, uh, let's keep praying in our own time for Maui, for everything that's happening in Maui. We've been keeping up with the devastation there. Let's keep praying for the communities impacted there. Um, remember, August 27th is worship nights. I have no idea how we're going to fit everyone in this room, but we're going to do it somehow. So that's that. Uh, worship night, we're going to come together and just love God with everything we have. I'm going to cast a little bit of vision for our church's future. We're going to take communion together. It's going to be a great, great time. So don't miss August 27th, 6 p.m. And then I'm going to continue to remind you about giving, financial giving. You know, I, um, we got a young church that's growing like a weed. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll give you some little stats behind the scenes. Uh, our summer attendance was up 25% from last summer. <laughs> Which is uh, real talk, though. Just say this too, because you understand this is what it's like to be a part of a growing church. Our giving was not up from the previous summer, <laughs> and that's normal, right? It's normal. So I, I, um, I just want you to know that, man. If you're if you are being blessed by the ministry of this church, if you're being blessed, if your family's being blessed, um, consider partnering financially. You can give uh, donations in the wall boxes in the back, uh, but most of us give online through our website, PeakCityCo.com. Um, I want to remind you that we are not here. I'm going to say it last week. I'm going to say it this week. I'm going to say it the next week and the week after that and and so on. We are not here to play church. All right, raise your hand if you came here to waste an hour of your life and no hands up. I want to remind you what we're building. I I read this to you last week. I'm going to read it this week to you again just to remind us of the gravity of what God has called us to build together. We are building a church where those who didn't grow up with faith meet Jesus for the first time And those who did grow up with faith meet Jesus like it's their first time again. We're building a church where destructive lies about God and ourselves are dismantled and we step into the truth that leads to freedom. We are building a church where the skeptic can belong before they believe, where the one who doubts sits next to the one who praises because God is at work in them both. We're building a church where we make life-changing decisions because the Holy Spirit of Jesus is here and we will not let the word of God fall on deaf ears. We are building a church where we get raw about our struggles because pretending doesn't do anyone any good, where we passionately worship and serve Jesus because he's too good to keep to ourselves, and where we make the gospel message clear because our world is desperately confused. We are building a church and we will preserve and pass on this sacred mission to the next generation because the church is God's plan A to rescue the world and daggone it, there is no plan B. Are you ready to build that kind of church? John 12, let's go. Uh, Let it die, let it die, let it die, all right? Um, My wife and I, we've been together for 20 years total. We've been married for 16, dated for four. And so we dated for a, a, you know, pretty lengthy time before we got married. And so when you get married, you learn some things, right? You learn some things. I learned that my wife, when she pictured our home, she pictured a home and a front door with hanging ferns. You know, like the big ferns you buy at the store, like in the springtime, the big, big green, big fern girl she was, okay? Big fern girl. But uh, so, so I'm like, all right, we're going to do this thing. I'm, I'm going to make this woman's dreams come true. And I've been footing that bill for 16 years. But um, we go get these hanging ferns, right? We get these hanging ferns. And um, my, my wife is amazing in so many ways. She's got it all. But uh, one thing she does not have uh, is, uh, como se dice, uh, green thumb. <laughs> she, 
That girl can kill a plant, okay? She's gotten better. You've gotten better over the years, girl. But a month in after I footed the bill on all these ferns, they're getting crispy. They're getting brown. It's like our house looking like nightmare. Let it die. Just be done with it. You're wasting your time. Let it die. How many of y'all have a dad who uh, runs a joke into the ground and never lets up on it? Just dad jokes for days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like it's, it's incumbent upon me to represent the rest of the population and say, dads, just let it die. <laughs> just let it die, man. Let it, just move on. That ship has sailed. Let it die. You know, there's a lot of things in our life where um, we spend years wasting our life. We spend years wasting our lives because we, we don't let things die. There's regrets, there's bitterness, there's addictions, there's relationships that, man, they've been, they've been dead for a long time, but you got to let it die. And here's the deal with this message today. Um, I want to, um, I want to be very clear about this message. Um, I came into this weekend and I know what God has been saying to me through this, but I don't know what God's going to say to you through this. Okay, so like most weekends, like last weekend, I can tell you exactly how I want you to go home and apply this message. I want you to go home and I want you to say, I'll get to it, but first I'll get with God, right? I'm going to prioritize time with God. I'm going to get in there, right? This is one of those messages where like, I know what God wants me to say and it's going gonna, it's gonna to hit every single person in here differently and, and the, I am not your Holy Spirit, all right? You need to open your heart and your mind to what God wants to say to you specifically because when I say you got to let it die, when I say you got to let it die, I, I, I bet even right now you know exactly what it is for you, but I don't. Some of you it's a dream, some of you it's a job, some of it's someone who, who wronged you, and you got to just let it die or else you will never be able to step into God's best for you. So open your heart, open your mind, and, and work together with God in this to see what he wants for you. You ready? You ready? When I say are you ready, remember those of you that are new, when I say are you ready, it's not like, hey, PD, we support you. I'm, I'm saying, are you, you're saying it to God. I'm ready, God, to receive whatever, you, whatever it is you have for me today. God, I might not believe in you, but I'm ready. God, I might be skeptical of you. God, I might not have any church experience. But God, for this time, I will open my heart to receive from a God I'm not even sure I believe in yet, right? Are you ready to receive from God in that way? All right, let's do it. Let's jump back into our text. It says, the next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival, they heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. And so they took palm branches and they went out to meet him. They were waving their palm branches. If you grew up in church, you, you probably remember this text because this is like the classic Palm Sunday text. And Palm Sunday is the Sunday before Easter. And so most traditional churches, like all the kids back in Sunday school get their little palm branches. And it's a really weird like thing. Like no one really knows what that means. This is that text. They took palm branches and they went out to meet him. And they were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and he sat on it. We're going to come back to that because that's actually a, a very key piece that would have absolutely confused everyone who had the palm branches. Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. Your king is coming seated on a donkey's colt. And it says at first his disciples did not understand this. Okay, so here's the scene. Jesus is coming into Jerusalem and the welcoming committee is out. The party planning committee is in full force and they are ready to welcome Jesus. They got their palm branches. They're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And, and if you think about it, that's kind of an odd thing to do. Like, have you ever walked into a town and anyone celebrated your arrival with palm branches? Like, that's, a, that's an odd thing to do, right? But the reason they did it is because they had 
expectation. There was an expectation from them for what Jesus was about to do, and, and, and expectations can make you do crazy things, right? You know, expectations are dangerous. Uh, expectation is normally the beginning of all disappointment. You gotta be careful with expectations, and expectation will drive you to do crazy things. So like for me, uh, March of 2020, I hate to go back to that month, but March of 2020, before the world shut down, it was, it was March 8th specifically, I remember it. Um, it was about a week before the world shut down. I'm scrolling Twitter and I see enough voices and I hear enough accounts talking about a global pandemic and the world is about to shut down. I mean, I saw enough to where I started to develop an expectancy, right? And, and an expectation will cause you to do crazy things. And so I leaned over to my wife, it was 10 o'clock at night. I said, hey babe, I know it's gonna sound crazy, but I'm gonna go to the grocery store and I'm gonna buy like four months worth of groceries. And she looked at me like, have I married a doomsday bunker prep guy? <laughs> like, what kind of psycho thing is happening here? You know, she's like, we just moved to Colorado, but like, have you really bought into the whole culture? Like what's happening here? So I, I'm like, no, I'm doing it. So I go to the grocery store and, and sure enough, there are two other guys in the store who are doing the same thing I am. We all had two carts each. We were pushing them down the aisles and just throwing stuff in, man. And, and, and here's the thing. It's, it, it, Expectation will cause you to do crazy things. And most of the time it doesn't work out. For me, it worked out. Your boy had all the toilet paper. I had all the meat. Y'all had nothing. Because your boy had it. <laughs> all right. I was ready. I was ready. Expectation. It'll cause you to do crazy things. And, and so they expect, you see, they expect something from Jesus right now. And there's reason for it, right? I had reason to be a doomsday prep guy because of what I was reading. They had reason for expectation. Jesus is coming to Jerusalem, and this is the Jesus who had turned water to wine. With Jesus, the party just keeps going. <laughs> this is the Jesus who fed 10,000 people with a happy meal. Like this is, this is the Jesus who, I mean, could heal someone with the touch of his hand, with his spoken word, he could heal them. Like this is the Jesus who just a chapter previous had resurrected a man from the dead. Not himself, that would happen later. He, res he, he resurrected one of us, showing that he has power over your life and your death and all of it. So Jesus now comes to Jerusalem and they have great expectation. And their expectation is represented in their actions. They're waving palm branches, they're worshiping because they expected that this was the moment that Jesus was gonna march into Jerusalem and overthrow the Roman government. Their expectation was Jesus is going to come in and he's going to wipe out the Romans. He's going to restore Jerusalem and, 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 and the nation of Israel to its place of political prominence. He's going to give us what we've been waiting for, right? They had this expectation. They had this expectation. See, but, but here's the deal. Jesus comes in and what's the first thing he does? <laughs> he sits on a donkey. And that don't mean much to us because, it, I mean, there's all kinds of weird stuff in the Bible. I don't know. What does that mean? Jesus, they expected him to come in and provide political dominance, to conquer. And what does a conqueror ride when he comes into town? He rides a war horse. And Jesus said, nah, my whip, my whip's going to be a donkey. I'm going to come in on the, the vehicle of a servant. And when, you got to understand, when he came in and sat on that donkey, all the people that are waving their palm branches, why well, it's so funny, I think we do stuff like this in the church world, it's like, you all understand, they waved their palm branches, and then when he sat on the donkey, they all went, oh no, I think we got the wrong guy. He, he immediately disappointed them. Their expectations weren't, weren't met. You see, people expected success. Jesus delivered failure in their eyes. 
People expected security. Jesus delivered danger. Almost all of his followers were persecuted and murdered. I saw when people like doubt the beginnings of the church. I'm like, you understand, most people who followed Jesus for the first 200 years, they were murdered. (laughs) They had nothing to gain. Like, go back to the origin stories of religions, and you won't find a more compelling and inspirational origin story than that of the Christian faith. People expected power, Jesus delivered humility. People expected justice, Jesus was unjustly murdered. He did nothing wrong, yet he was murdered. People expected victory, and Jesus hung on the cross in what looked like defeat. You have to understand this. If you want to understand the New Testament as you read this, you have to understand. This is a framework to understand the whole New Testament. People, specifically the Jewish people that that Jesus was, was trying to pastor, people expected a physical kingdom led by a political ruler to immediately restore their nation. But what Jesus delivered was an invisible kingdom led by a spiritual rabbi to eventually restore the world. Now, I want, you, I want you to leave that, leave that up for us for, for just a second. I know you're like, how does this re- relate to my life? This is like a history lesson. Trust me, this is going to go straight to your life. And you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. I want you to see expectation versus delivery. I want you to see expectation versus disappointment. The Jewish people, they expected a physical kingdom led by a political ruler to immediately restore their nation. What Jesus delivered was an invisible kingdom led by a spiritual rabbi to eventually restore the whole world. And I want you to see this. The vast majority of the Jewish people in Jesus' day rejected him. They did not want anything to do with him. But it wasn't because they didn't see what they liked, it's because they didn't see what they expected. They didn't expect it. And I wanna point out something to you. What Jesus delivered is better than what they expected. You need to catch this. This is where I'm, I'm getting ready to drive this sermon right up into your driveway, into your home. It's going to get invasive here in a minute. What, what God wanted for them, what he came to deliver was better than their expectations, but they couldn't receive it because they couldn't let their expectations die. They couldn't let it die. They expected something and God said, I got more for you, man. You want a physical kingdom? I got an invisible kingdom for you. It'll last beyond this material world. You want a kingdom that's led by a political ruler that's going to lord their dominance over you? No, 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 no. I'm going to come in like a rabbi and I'm going to serve people. That's the kind of leader we all want, right? And, and, and you want the nation of Israel to be restored? Man, forget that. I got a bigger dream. Let's restore the whole world. What, what God wanted for them was better. It was better. It was better. But they couldn't receive it because they couldn't let it die. Now let's drive this into your life for a second. What God wants for your life, it is better than what you expect. It's better than anything you could ever ask for or imagine. But you will never be able to receive it if you don't let it die. If you don't let your expectation die, you'll never be able to receive it. You'll never be able to step. If you want to step into God's best for you, you have to let everything else die. You have to to let some things that you've held on dear to your heart die. You have to let some relationships die. You have to let some failures, some regrets die, some some addictions, some perspectives, some habits. You've got to let it die if you want to step into what God has for your life. And I know, I know, I know. Mm, I know what some of y'all are thinking. I know because I get y'all's emails, all the like uh, the Bible scholars in the room. Like, but pastor, I'm not sure that that's what that text means. I always have a voice for the Bible scholars. I'm pretty sure that passage is not about us, it's about Jesus, pastor. And you know what, you're right. 
You're not wrong. You're right. It is about Jesus. It's about Jesus on a macro scale, but then I want you to see how Jesus turns it and makes it about you and I on a micro scale. It's absolutely about Jesus. Trust me, this whole thing's about Jesus, okay? Verse 23, Jesus replies, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Absolutely, you need to understand this, Bible scholars. It is about Jesus. In order for you and I to be here, Jesus had to die. Jesus' death produced many seeds. Jesus' death, this is a macro picture of how God has created the universe and how God wants to redeem the universe. That that our restoration, our, our betterment, our salvation, our rescue required one man to die. And that one man's death has produced life for so many. It's produced the greatest spiritual movement in human history. It's absolutely about Jesus on a macro scale. Woo, but he's about to drive it up into your garage right now. Because in the next verse he says, now for you, anyone, that's you and me, anyone who loves their life will lose it. You got to let it die. While anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. Follow my example. Do what I, I did. I, I allowed myself to die. Anyone who serves me must follow me. Where I am, my servant will also be. And my father will honor the one who serves me, right? It's like Jesus saying, yes, it's true of me on a macro scale. The, the ultimate, you, you have to understand this, the ultimate story that all of creation will become aware of once this life ends is that God made the world, we messed it up, Jesus came to fix it, and through his death, burial, and resurrection, we can be restored. That's macro. But micro, you and me, if you want God's best for your life, you're going to have to let it die. You're going to have to let a dream die. You're going to have to let a failure die. You're going to have to let that old wound finally heal and move on. You're going to have to let that old disappointment die and move on. You're going to have to let the season of the good old days die and move on. You're going to have to let an old addiction die. You're going to have to let an old season of the church where you, were, you loved it and everyone, you loved the way the church was going. You're going to have to let it die. You're going to have to let an old coping mechanism die. If you want to step into God's best for your life, you will have to let it die. It's true of God in the big picture, and it's true of you in your little old picture life. But, easier said than done, right? Easier said than done. Don't you love it when someone says, just stop being anxious? Just stop being sad. Just stop being depressed. Just stop worrying. <sighs> Easier said than done. My boy, um, my boy Emmett, about to be 12 years old, about to go into middle school. Can't believe I got a middle schooler. That feels weird. Um, but man, like this Gen Alpha, you know, that's the next, that's their gen. Like Gen Z, now we're going back around the beginning. It's like Gen Alpha's like the thing, right? Gen Alpha, these Gen Alpha brains are, are built different. These Gen Alpha brains are like, they have evolved. They are superior in a lot of ways, okay? So I'm sitting there playing Fortnite with my boy about a year ago, trying to keep up with the times, trying to be hip. And so we're playing duos and my boy's sitting there. He's like, man, this is crazy. Dad's awful at this game, but it's, it's all good. So, so he, 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 uh, he says, dad, there's somebody shooting at you. I'm like, I know, I'm trying to hide behind this thing and shoot them back. He's like, no, 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 you, you don't get it. That's not how you play the game. I said, what are you talking about? He was like, you're just shooting. He's like, in Fortnite, you build and shoot. You build a fort around you to protect you, and then you shoot. I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, but I'm shooting right now. He's like, no, you have to do both at the same time. I'm like, my brain doesn't work like that, man. I play GoldenEye. (laughs) 
that's all I got, man. I got like golden eye. I, I, I can shoot and I can move and I can't do things at the same time. He's like, give me the controller. And all of a sudden he's building and shooting. <laughs> like my brain can't compute it, man. These gen alpha brains, they build different. Easier said than done, man. I can't, I can't keep up with you. It's easier said than done, man. Let it die. Sounds good. But it's way easier said than done. And Jesus, it's funny because, I mean, this parable, he, he basically says as much. Jesus makes it sound like it's super easy. He says it's like this, and he's talking to an agrarian society full of farmers, right? Everyone knew this illustration. He says it's this easy. It's like a farmer who has a, a kernel of grain in his hand. And he says, unless you allow that kernel of grain to fall to the ground, to be planted, and to die, then that kernel of grain could never produce all that it was intended to produce. And, and, and every farmer, every, every, uh, every person who's working the fields, they're like, oh yeah, for sure. You can't hold on to it. You got to let it go. And everyone understood that. It's like, that makes so much sense. Just let it die. Let it die. And Jesus was just such a brilliant teacher. He knew what would happen. He knew they would get home and he knew they would go, man, that's, that's great. Jesus is so right. I need to let it die. And then they wake up the next morning and go, why can't I let it go? Why can't I let go of that failed friendship? Why can't I let go of that, that job loss? Why can't I let go of that, of that frustration? Why, why can't I let it go? Because it, Jesus says, just like a seed, and I'd be stupid to sit here and hold on to this little, this kernel, this grain. I, I got to let it die. And why can't I let it die? See, Jesus was, Jesus was the kind of teacher that puts a rock in your shoe, and a day later you're thinking about it. You know, it sounds really simple at first, but really it's like, oh, dang, that, that actually, that illustration means more. And, and so he knew that every farmer, everyone who's working the fields would go, okay, I can't let it die, so then let me process through the illustration. If I'm a farmer and I've got grain in my hand, why would I hold on to it? For what reason would I hold on to it? And everyone would have had the same answer. It had been a light bulb moment. The only reason a farmer would hold on to a seed, a kernel of grain, is if they believed they were going into a famine. Ooh, you ain't ready for what God's about to speak to your life right now through this. He was wrecking me all week on this. Still wrecking me this morning on, over this. The only reason you would hold on to a kernel like that is if you believe you're going into a famine. If you believe that the weather was not conducive for that grain to grow, you wouldn't waste it. If you believe that the soil was not such that would be conducive to growth, you wouldn't plant it. If, you were, if, if the storehouse was empty and you had no more grain then you would hold on to that thing with everything you've got. If you believe, here it is, if you believe that you're walking into a bad future with limited resources, you will hold on to everything you have. If you believe you're walking into a bad future with limited resources, you will hold on so tight, you'll hold on so tight, and God used that question to peer into my soul, and I'm gonna let him do the same thing right now. Let's take a little peer into your soul. When you look to your future, what does it look like? When you look to your future, what does it look like? Does, does it look like a, uh, sh like, like, like the other shoe's about to drop? Does it look like scarcity? Does it look like something's gonna go wrong? Does it look like in the future there's a God who knows everything you did and he's out to get even? Does it look like there's a God who is, is just sitting up there with his with, you know, arms crossed, disappointed in you, just waiting to get revenge on you? D does your future look like a bad future 
with limited resources? Does it look like a famine? Because here's the deal, if, if you think you're walking into a famine, you will hold tightly onto everything that you have in this life. If you don't think that there's a better future out there for you, you're gonna sit there and hold tight and hold tight. My son, my son, not, not, not Emmett, my, my middle child, um, he's obsessed with Ninja Turtles right now. How many of y'all seen the new Ninja Turtle movie? Come on, y'all crazy. You gotta see that movie. It's a killer movie. Great soundtrack too. It's like old school hip hop the whole time, man. It's a, it's, a great, it's a great one. My son's obsessed with Michelangelo. He got him a little Mikey toy from the store, but our dog chewed it up. And so it's like all messed up and deformed. And I come downstairs and he's literally face down, like prostrate before the Lord, just sweeping. Dad, my toy. Like his world's over. I'm like, it's a $10 toy. I don't care. Like, we'll get you another one. He's like, I'll never get another one. It's ruined. He like goes to bed with this deformed Mikey that's half, half eaten. Oh, I'll never be able to save up enough money again. I'll never have it. <laughs> and so he held on tight to it all night long. Wouldn't let it go. Wouldn't let it go. I'm telling you right now, that is you and me in a nutshell. We got things that are so messed up in our lives that are really worth nothing. And we hold on to it, we hold on to it, we hold on to it because we don't believe there is a better future. We don't believe that God is for us. We think he is against us. And I'm telling you right now, I came today to set the record straight on what you are walking into in the future if you will walk with God. If you will walk with God, I came today to show you, to tell you, to set the record straight on what your future looks like if you will walk with God. See, because when, when, when you read it, it's just overwhelming. You see, like God says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And he says in, 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 in all your ways, if you'll submit to him, he'll actually make your path straight in the future. You won't have to guess where to go next. You submit it to him, he'll make it straight. It says the Lord himself goes before you. He will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. So do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Take delight in the Lord, the next verse says, and he will give you the desires of your hearts. It says, I'll instruct you and teach you and, and on, 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 on the way you should go. And then, and I love this part. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Oh, you think God's out to get you. No, no, his loving eye is upon you. And, and, it's, and you know, we know this in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purposes. In 1 John 4, you dear children are from God and you have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The next verse says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work is gonna carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And which of you, which of you, Jesus says, if your son asks for bread, we'll give him a stone. Or if he asks for fish, we'll give him a snake. Or if he asks for a chewed up ninja figure, we'll give him a, another chewed up one. No, he says, if you then, you're evil, but you know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? In Psalm 34, it says, those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Because y'all, the Lord is my shepherd. I don't lack nothing. I'm I'm covered. I might lose everything, but I still lack nothing. I'll have everything I need. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows because he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Because my God will meet all of your needs 
according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Does that sound like a famine to you? Or does it sound like a feast? Does it sound like God is for you or against you? Let me tell you, if God is for you, nobody can be against you. You're set. And I ain't saying that that means you're going to make money. I ain't saying that means you ain't ever going to get sick. I ain't saying that means it's going to be healthy, wealthy, and prosperous. No, no. I'm saying that no matter what happens, you will be fine because God's got you. I came to set the record straight. You are not heading towards a bad future with limited resources. You are heading towards a good future with an unlimited God. You're heading towards a good future with an unlimited God. He's your father and he wants to give you good things. He wants to give you good things. And when you know that's the case, here's the deal. When you know that your future is going to be good with God, when you know you're not walking into a bad future with limited resources, but a good future with an unlimited God, you know what you can do? You can let it die. Whoo. You can open up your hands and let whatever's not working in your life, let it fall. The thing you've been holding up in your, the, the thing that's kept you up at night for so long, man, just let it die. And right now, right now, right now, I know that like uh, all week I was praying for in this moment to have the right thing to say in this moment to apply it specifically to hundreds of people. <laughs> and I, I, I never found it. <laughs> I can just tell you how it, how it applies to me. I can tell you what I'm doing with this message. I can tell you how God was working in my life. And the truth is, over the last four years, pretty much since I moved here, I have been grieving the loss of some friendships that I thought would be there with me for the long haul. I've been grieving some friendships that I've lost for, from people who I thought would be there with me through thick and thin because I was with them through thick and thin. And I, and I mean, I've been grieving it. It's so weird. It's like, I, I can't tell you how many fire pit nights that I've had where, yeah, I'm celebrating the goodness of God. Yeah, but it always ends up with grief and sadness over some very dear friendships that I lost. And it, it could be, I mean, there's all kinds of different reasons behind the loss of those friendships. Some of it's the devil getting in and dividing. Some of it's lies that the devil's convinced people to believe. Some of it's just like out of sight, out of mind. You know, life moves on. But I man, I've been grieving it. I've been grieving it. And, and I came to this place over the summer where I just felt, I, I, just, I was still grieving it. And I feel like God just said, Petey, you're like, you're like that farmer who's got that little kernel of grain and you're holding on to it and you got to let it die. And then he spoke this to my heart and I think maybe he wants to speak it to your heart too. He said, Petey, you got to stop grieving what you've lost so you can be grateful for what you've gained. You got to stop grieving what you've lost or you'll never be grateful for what you've gained. Because I stand here, I'm like, yeah, do I have friendships that I've lost? For sure. Do I have, man, I've been grieving, I've been crying. I mean, yes, 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 yes. But man, if I will let that die for a second, oh my gosh, I can look around at what he has done in my life. I can look at where he has planted me. He has planted me in a church full of people who love me and know me and care about me and don't have crazy unrealistic expectations of a pastor. I got people checking in on me. I'm planted in a great community of faith that loves me. But, but man, I'll never be fully grateful for that if I don't let it die. I gotta let it die. And so I just, you know, symbolically as I was on that walk with God praying, I just opened my hand. It's like, whew, just let it die, just move on. And I don't know what that is for you. I bet you know. I bet you know right now what it is 
that you need to open up your hand and say, God, I will let it die because I trust that you have a good future for me. I trust that you've got more for me. I trust that if one door closed, I got, I got more that's going to open. I got a good future ahead of me with an unlimited God. And I know, I know, I know when I say this, I know some of you are like, yeah, but that doesn't feel good. I mean, some of y'all, it's a marriage that failed 10 years ago and you're still mad. Some of y'all, it's an addiction that you just don't want to confess because you're trying to, you're trying to hold on to that last semblance of pride, that last semblance of your image, and you ain't never going to get over that addiction if you don't open your hand and let it die. You, there is, for, for some of y'all, it is, a, it is a, a promotion you got passed over, a boss who treated you poorly, and you still replaying it. You've already moved on. You've got another job. God's already provided for you. you. And you still can't stop thinking about God saying, trust me, open your hand and let it die. I got good things in store for you. It's going to be good. Some of y'all have a strained relationship with your grown children, and it grieves you every night. It grieves you, and you think, and you miss them. Can I just tell you that if you would just let it die, give them some time, give them some space, you never know what God can do with that. You never know God might bring them back around, and you never know what God might do in your hearts. You never know that maybe this will help you reconnect with another family member like you've never connected before. You've lost a loved one, and you can't, you just miss them so bad. I get it, I get it. But man, your deceased family member would want you to let them die and move on. Because there are relationships, there are family members who want to get closer to you and there's an opportunity for God to do something beautiful with the mess that you're going through. But you got to let it die. And I know when I say that, you're like, that don't feel good. That sucks. Yeah, it does. It sucks. It don't feel good. It didn't feel good for Jesus. Jesus, right in the next verse, verse 27, after he said, I got to die. If y'all are going to get blessed, if y'all are going to be rescued, if y'all are going to be saved and forgiven of your sins, I got to die. The very next verse he says, now my soul is troubled. Don't, don't mistake it. My soul is troubled. I don't like this. I don't want to do it. My soul is troubled, but what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, no, no. It was for this very reason that I came to this hour. He's like, it don't, it don't feel good, but God sent me to here, here today to tell somebody in this room, just because it doesn't feel good doesn't mean it isn't good. Just, just because it doesn't feel good doesn't mean it isn't good. You got to let it die. And for some of y'all, the thing you need to let die is the grip you've had on your life and you need to surrender control of your life to Jesus and you need to get baptized. You know, that's what baptism is. It's the ultimate let it die moment. You get in these waters and it's like, man, I'm going to die to my old life. I'm going to surrender it all. I'm going to lay it all down. I'm going to be identified with Jesus in a symbolic death. And I'm going to let someone dunk me in the water. I'm going to let it die and trust that God will raise me up to a new life. Trust that God will take my death and bless me with new life. It is a symbolic let it die moment. And I think maybe God's calling some of y'all to take that step today. And so we're going to celebrate. We're going to worship. And we're going to give you the chance to get baptized today. So what I want you to do is go ahead and stand with me to your feet. And uh, we're going to do it a little bit different today. If you've been here for baptism services in the past, it's just a touch different. I'm going to pray in just a second. Our team's going to be leading us in worship. And, you know, for some of you, this is the time for you just to connect with God and, and let it die. 
But if, if now is the moment you, that you want to give your life to Jesus, you don't have to have the Bible figure out. You don't have to have your sin cleaned up. You don't have to have everything, all, all the answers. No, 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 no. You just have to be ready to say yes to the love of Jesus that was proven for you on the cross and be ready to say, Jesus, I'll let my old life die. I don't know what the new life looks like yet, but I'm going to start my journey of following you. And if you want to make that decision to get baptized, we got everything you need. You got to meet me out these doors on the side. I'm going to walk off the stage and go right out those two doors on the side. And um, I'd love for you to meet me over there. And let's celebrate some new life in this house today. Let's pray together. Jesus, Holy Spirit, have your way in this room. Uh, Do real meaningful spiritual work in our lives right now, God. I pray for people who aren't sure where they stand with you, that you would meet them right now. I pray for people who love you but have been shackled up in, in chains of their past, that you would free them right now. God, I pray you'd help us to just open our hands and just to let it die. Let it die and trust that you've got something good for us. And God, with every baptism we celebrate today, let us all be reminded of of the greatest rescue we could ever experience. And that is the new life we have received in you, Jesus. We trust you, Lord. We love you, Lord. And we give this time to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray together by saying, amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this Peak City message today. If you'd like more information on Peak City Church, or if you'd like to give to the mission here in Colorado Springs, then check us out at peakcityco.com.